Welcome to You Might Relate, a podcast where we take relationships and mental health to the next level. I am Stacy Heaps, a licensed clinical social worker, and I have been practicing therapy for the last 15 years. There are counseling concepts and stories that I am excited to share. When we know better, we do better. Together, let's get to a place of radical acceptance of where we are while improving relationships and tackling life's transitions, one therapy concept and one story at a time. So let's get started to see if you relate. Welcome to You Might Relate. This is Stacy Heaps. I'm your host, and we have Kathy Musso and Stacy Gibbons here. Now, Stacy's already been on a podcast with us, mm-hmm. and so we... I just fell in love with how you spoke about your mom. And Mm -hmm. so then we've asked your mom to come on and she agreed. And so we're so grateful to have her. Today's topic is what to do when you have a child who leaves the faith that you raised them in. And Kathy has some experience in that. And so I've asked her to come on. So first, Kathy, why don't you introduce yourself? Where did you grow up? When did you get married? How many kids do you have? Where do you live now? That kind of thing. Sure. So I was born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, suburbs of Cleveland. My parents are German immigrants, and so they came to this country right after the war. So was raised in the city, but loved cowboys and the mountains. Yes. I I I love cowboys. I I know. I wanted to grow up and be a cowboy, and (laughs) it it didn't happen, but I was determined to move west. So I I came west, and my sister said, well... I'm a Mormon now, and so let's go to Provo. And I said, is it in the West? And she said, yeah. I said, well, what state is it in? And she said, Utah. And I said, is that in the West? And she said, yeah. (laughs) And so I said, okay. So we packed our car, and we drove out and ended up meeting my husband, Brian. And we've been married 42 years, and we have four great kids. Two boys so and wait, two girls. When did you get baptized then? So I you... about two years after we moved out. My sister packed up and went moved home oh. and left me there <laughs> in a BYU student ward, BYU student housing with lots of fun kids and uh-huh. wasn't gonna join a church. I had a church, I was fine, but what uh, church did you belong to before? The Lutheran Church. Oh, That's okay. very German. Yeah. And so but the more I would go to Deseret Book and look at the rows of scriptures, the shelves of scriptures, and, you know, just my friends, and we would talk about gospel things. And it was just, it just my heart, my soul just said, oh, you, I remember this. Uh-huh. I remember this. And so, yeah, I so joined the church then. You didn't go to BYU. You nope. were just, you were in the, the housing. Right. I was working. Okay. Yeah, I had were... already attended college, and so I had a degree, and I was working oh. for the Forest Service, but I just... We ended yeah, up why not? Because it's fun. You had a degree before you went to BYU? Yeah. Why do I not know that? <laughs> I don't know. You did four years at Bowling Green? Well, three. I You graduated tested. up. I graduated. You graduated so early. Smart. Yeah. This mom of mine. See, this is a good thing we're doing this podcast. I'm learning <laughs> things. <laughs> Imagine what we would learn about our parents if they just had a microphone. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I know I would learn things about my mom and dad. Yeah, for sure. I did know that you had been working for the Forest Service yeah, right. when you met right. dad, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I did end up attending me way away. I went into the medical technology program. Because oh. I knew that as much as I love tramping around the woods and the mountains and the hills and all of that. <laughs> trying to that, be a cowboy. Well, <laughs> trying to be a cowboy, but like it wasn't really conducive with a family. So. Oh. So I thought medical technology would work. So that's what I did. Okay. Yep. So you eventually converted. It just mm-hmm. felt mm-hmm. true and right to you. Mm-hmm. And you had good friends with you. Yep. So then you had, you got married, had four kids. Did you mm-hmm. raise them in Provo or did you? No, we actually left college right during that recession in the early 80s. And mm-hmm. there were no jobs to be found. And my dad was a German baker and he had a bakery in Cleveland. And he said, well, you could always come home and work with me. So we packed up our oldest. She was just three weeks old, I think, drove cross country. And we ended up living in Cleveland for about 11 years with our kids. Oh, my gosh. And did you work the family bakery? We did. Yeah. My husband did for a little bit. And then he ended up getting a different job there in Cleveland. But I, yeah, I did. I'd done it since I was 16. So it was very easy to just go back and do that, that is my husband's family owned the oldest bakery in Utah, Gloss Bakery. Oh, how fun. And they just sold it 
probably three years ago and it's no longer exists anymore because right. they couldn't keep up the recipes. But anyway, that's kind of neat. Uh, so you know a little yeah. bit about the bakery yep, business. I, I know do. a little I tiny do. smidget and yeah. I just love bakery goods. Oh, did you I guys know. do French pastries or what did you Yeah, a lot of pastries, a lot of cakes, you know, European. Oh, it was yeah. a European, European style bakery. Uh-huh. So it was European bread and, you know, they did do donuts and some cookies uh-huh. More American stuff, but mostly it was European. Okay, how fun is that? Yep. So then you're in Cleveland with your oldest, and then you had some other kids yep, after that. Had three more. And then what brought you back here, or is this where is this the next place you came? Yes, it was. I think that I missed the mountains. My soul mm. was, my soul was shriveling up. In Cleveland? In in Cleveland. (laughs) And my family was there. It was terrible. It was terrible wrenching my children. It was terrible wrenching myself again because I'm a homebody. I like my people, right, close to me. Yeah. And it was hard, but my soul was shriveling. And so Brian's brother lived in St. George, Utah, and I swore we would never live in that podunky little hick town. <laughs> like, why would anybody live down there, you know? And and sure enough, we, I, we ended up moving here, and Brian worked with his brother for a little bit, and that's where we raised the rest of them. Okay. Yeah. What a cool story. So we've been here almost 30 years. 30 years mm-hmm. in St. George. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're pretty established here now. <laughs> oh, we we feel sort of. We're not quite like the old timers, you know, that have been here a hundred years, the hundreds, <laughs> the pioneer stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we yeah. feel pretty. This is our home. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can you talk about the story or tell us the experience you had when one of your children decided to question or leave the faith, and what were some of your emotions, and how did you handle that? So my oldest son, when he the day after he graduated high school, he came in. I remember it. I will never forget. It was a Saturday morning. We were still in bed, and he, you know, knocked on the door and came in. And he sat down on the bed and he says, "Well, mom, dad, I'm moving to Salt Lake." And we said, "I know you're going to, you know, the U." And yes, you go Utes. <laughs> <laughs> we were BYU people, yeah, so BYU we people. were like, "Okay, you can go to the oh. U," but you know. And he said, "Oh, and by the way, my girlfriend's moving in with me." And we we had no idea. Like, Did it take the air out of you? Oh, absolutely flattened us. Yeah. We just laid there and tried not to freak out. But what was just, if he would have stabbed us, I don't mm. think it would have been any worse. And we talked to him a little bit about it and the consequences. And I'm sure I said some things like, don't you want an eternal family someday? Don't you, you know, you know the typical things, I think. A parent who is devoutly religious would say to their child who is saying, I'm just not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't a bad discussion. Nobody. Nobody got stabbed. Nobody got stabbed. <laughs> no stabbing. And he just said, I know, but I'm 18 now and I'm this is what I'm going to do. And he left. And, and I there think, had been no indication. No. That he, that was... We knew he had a girlfriend. And this is how naive I am. He A couple of times he didn't come home. And I remember saying to him, son, I know you're just falling asleep. I I understand that. But, you know, you're going to get into trouble (laughs) if you've got to come home. You've got to set an alarm. And I remember he looked at me really weird. That's how naive I was. I'm embarrassed. I am totally embarrassed. I just want to hug you because it's never, ever. uh, That's embarrassing. It's truly embarrassing. I was a grown mother, you know, in my late 30s, I guess. I can't remember. But and I lectured him because I thought for sure he was there on her couch. Yeah. Or they had fallen asleep. But there were tears and hysteria, not with him and stuff. And then we had a balance like, okay, how supportive are we going to be of this? Mm. We told him we didn't agree. And he said, well, what? you know, her parents think it's a great idea. And I said, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. And he got mad. And I said, well, honey, you're 18. What parent wants their daughter to go live with an 18-year-old who's just barely starting out and has no means to support any? That's not a situation that's going to work. Mm-hmm. Like that's you're setting yourself up for so much stress and and strain and and that's not a good situation and and so I think he was a little bit okay like not I wasn't trying to criticize him. Just the situation. But the, the whole situation yeah. was just and I said, "Well, you you can take your bed, but I'll buy you groceries, I will whatever and whatever and we just let him go." Hmm. And he did. So I spent a lot of years then, and I remember all my friends would take me to lunch and console me and say, 
it's not your, you know, it's not your fault. It's just, you know, it's free agency and all these things and stuff. And I just remember thinking, though, obviously it's my fault. Oh. Obviously, if I, we would have been better at family night, if we would have done scripture study more regularly, if we would have done this, if we would have communicated, if we would have, you know, obviously, and we get free agency, but obviously we did something yeah. wrong. And obviously now there's something wrong with my son. Oh. So, uh, you know, everybody else's kid is going to go on a mission and it's going to go this and going to go do that. Well, our, and I spent a lot of years, I wasted so many years being so sad about that. Oh. And then one day I saw a little plaque in a store and it said, not all who wander are lost. And I looked at that and I bought it and I brought <laughs> yes. it home. <laughs> You're my kind of woman. <laughs> I and liked it and I, I bought it. I put it right there and I thought, that is so true. And I and then I started to look at my kid who was working full time, going to school full time, you know, doing so many things. And at one point there, obviously, the relationship didn't last. But at one point he was working for SkyWest. He called me at work and he said, Mom, I need you to come up here and you need to talk to my girlfriend because she thinks we're having trouble because of you, because you don't approve. <laughs> like, what? And he says, I've got you booked on this flight. So I fly up there and I sit there and the whole time I'm thinking, what am I supposed to say to these two? And this girl, I'm like, what am I doing here? But I sat there on their couch and I, I, I said to this little girl, I said, honey, I don't even know you. You're, I, you know, you're, you guys are young. You have no idea what life is like. And now you understand what life is like and it's hard. Yeah. And you're not prepared. And uh, so, so, I mean, I, I did try to do things like that to be supportive in a relationship lasted a semester. Oh, it lasted so, a semester. Did mm -hmm. he get a different roommate? Whatever happened? No. Yeah, he. I think he did. I think he left and moved in with some guys mm -hmm. and continued to work. And But he lost his scholarship because it was so emotional and, you know, oh, he yeah. couldn't keep his grades up. And he said, called me one night and said, what do I do, Mom? And I said, well, FAFSA, you know, student loans. We, we were in no monetary position to help none of our kids. We, I mean, the kids did school on their own with scholarships and stuff. Yeah. We bought groceries and a bus pass. Oh, yeah, bus pass for you. Yeah. We yeah. did groceries. <laughs> we did, you know, whatever we could when we could, but we just didn't have money. Yeah. And he is an amazing kid. Like oh, a man. He is it. an amazing man. He's, he's old. We're all yeah. old He's now. your kid, but he's yeah. a man. Yeah. When I saw that plaque and I realized, you know, I'm thinking back and thinking, I feel so bad about this. And I hate feeling bad. Like, I'm so unhappy all the time. And I looked at him and thought, what's he really doing that's so horrible that I'm so miserable? Like, he's working. He's going to college. He's, you know, he's a good boy. He likes us. He, you know. <laughs> likes he, us. You he's know, really good. He likes us. <laughs> and he'd come home and, and he loved his siblings. Yeah. And, well, he might be doing stupid stuff, but he's our brother. And, you know, like they rallied around him. And, and in the meantime, you know, our my oldest daughter had cancer. And, and so life was very convoluted. But I finally just got really tired of feeling that way. And mm. I remember sitting at church thinking, my kids aren't losers. They're not losers. And stop thinking about that, like that they are such a loser. And I thought, well, if they're not losers, then maybe I wasn't so bad. Could I have done things differently? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do I wish I would have been more better communicator? Not be so angry, but he and I did this head to head mm. all the time. Our personalities, we just locked horns all the time. All growing up. No, just as oh, a teenager. Just as a teenager. No, he was my sweetest little buddy until he turned about 14. Oh, yeah. 14-year-olds, mm -hmm. I find that they know everything. <laughs> Don't tell me that. I've got almost 10-year-old as oh, my Oh, yeah. Oldest. You got so, five yeah. more years, and then they know everything, and you know nothing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when, once he became a teenager, he started to exert his mm -hmm. independence, and you locked... Mm -hmm. He'd always break the rules. He would, mm. you know, sneak out at night. He'd go joyriding in the fields. And, you know, I mean, he was always breaking the rules. Mm. And I think he meant to. He just wanted to see, you know, my oldest was the perfect child. And then along came the not so perfect one. It was just complicated. So yeah. he was the second kid. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that that does happen with the second ones. Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> sometimes. And, and I think it's, you know, and part of that is a really from in terms of a 
developmental standpoint, it's mm-hmm. like a really healthy stage for teenagers to go through to mm-hmm. push boundaries, mm-hmm. take risks and all of that. And and yeah, Whitney, the oldest is, you know, she's her own person and mm-hmm. had a lot going on herself mm-hmm. as a teenager. And yeah, like from my perspective, because I'm what, three years younger than Nick. Mm-hmm. And so kind of seeing the dynamics with you and dad and how you are handling him not wanting to go to church and moving out and just kind of seeing how stressful that was for you guys. It, it was, for me, I kind of thought, okay, let's try not to add anything onto this. Rock. Oh. <laughs> but there wasn't much for me to rock. Like mm-hmm. I was wanting to do church and mm-hmm. I'd had no issues with keeping rules. But yeah, I didn't realize you you hadn't had any indications in terms of him not wanting to keep going to church. I thought that was something that had been more of an issue before he moved out. I didn't realize that was such a shock. Mm-hmm. That it makes sense. He didn't go all now. the time and you could tell, you know, that he wasn't all that thrilled about it and he made no bones about that he wasn't going to go on a mission, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I like that he felt comfortable enough to say that to mm-hmm. you because some kids I don't know how to tell my parents that I'm not going on a mission. It's interesting how we look at failure, Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're a failure because your kid didn't go on a mission Mm -hmm. or you're a failure because your kid didn't dare to tell you he didn't want to go on a mission Mm -hmm. or you're a failure because he went on a mission, even though he didn't want to because he was so scared. He just did it anyway and didn't feel authentic to himself. Right. Right. And so you got all different types. Right. Mm -hmm. And so. Right. I would say you're definitely not a failure. Neither was he. No, no, we did our best. Yeah. We absolutely did our best. So what were some of the specific challenges that you faced as maybe he didn't want to go to church or as we'll talk about now with Stacy, when your children expressed doubts or decided Mm -hmm. to not attend anymore or not to believe? What are some challenges that come up for a parent when that happens? So uh, now three of my four children don't attend church. And so mostly it's the fighting the, I think it's okay to feel sad a little in my heart. I think the thing that makes me the saddest is that I've got my two oldest grandchildren haven't been baptized because I was a convert. When I watched my children be baptized, that was like, that was such a thing. And when they weren't that, but I would tell myself, you can feel sad about that. Yeah. But it it's the fighting the because they're not, they're less. Or because they're not, I'm less. Because, you know, we, to be perfectly honest, I would be fine looking like the cover of the ensign. Bring it on. I want to be there. I want to be there with all my little posterity. And they're just hanging on every word coming out of my mouth and saying, you know, yes, bye, and stuff like that. I would love that. But I learned that that's not who my family was. And I wanted, like I tried. I tried. I came home from education week every year and I'd have all these little projects we were going to do and all of our little things we were going to do and all of our stuff, you know, but my family didn't fit that mold. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to realize that's just fake anyway. That's just for looks. It's not real. And so trying to fight that, well, if I don't look like the cover of the ensign, I'm less or we're less or we're that. And I still like a little bit. I have to watch myself. Mm -hmm. I have to be really careful and really think about it and say, and and I came to realize I want this family, whatever it looks like, however it looks like this picture, this is my family. That's what I want. I I really don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought I did, but I don't. I want this cover of the ensign instead. I love that. It's interesting, too, because I don't know if you remember Saturday's Warrior and how we chose Mm -hmm. the families that we came down. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that they don't subscribe to that idea as much anymore, but it is kind of fun to be like, oh, did we choose this? (laughs) I I know. And if so, then you chose this and you didn't choose the Enzyme family. (laughs) Right. Exactly. I mean, that's just kind of a fun way to look at it. (laughs) I know. And see, that was so me. That was so me. I, you know, so like that was difficult. And then learning to still share with, with people like what my kids are doing regardless. Well, my son didn't go on a mission, but he worked full time and he went to college full time and he paid for every penny himself. Yeah. He did this amazing thing and he works so hard and he helps other people and he's kind and he went on a, a trip to Africa and while everybody else is like with the, the big wigs, he was playing with the orphans and, and like like to say, 
that's as important as going on a mission. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's his mission to mm-hmm. do those things. And so so I just need to remind myself, wait a minute, you know, stop and think. Mm. I like that, mom, because I think it, it helps to, you know, as parents, you have an expectation of what you kind of would like or that you think that your kids are going to be like, we can't help it. We all are going to have some type of expectation of what the future our kids are going to look like. And so then when that inevitably, because it always does, ends up being a little different or maybe Mm -hmm. drastically different, Mm -hmm. being able to remind yourself and take a step back and say, oh, yeah, but look at what he is and Mm -hmm. who he is. Mm -hmm. And he's still this beautiful, loving, kind person who's doing good things in the world and just being able to sit with some level of peace around putting those expectations to rest in a way, I guess. Yeah. Expectations are great and we all do them, but if they're not fulfilled and really expectations are what I want. Sure. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't take into account what my kids want and how my kids, you know, their thoughts, their feelings, their ambitions, their expectations. And so, yeah, it it was hard. It was hard those first few years. Yeah. Uh, Nick paved the way. And I always tell him, listen, if you wouldn't have... If you wouldn't have done the things you did, I would not be the person I am today. I would not be as kind and considerate and look behind and say, oh, that's got to be hard. You know, Mm. oh, those folks, that's hard for them. I know that's hard for them. Right. Yeah. It's sometimes I don't know how you would think about this, but the idea that we're sent down here to be tested and is the test to get everyone to this perfect enzyme place Mm -hmm. or is the test to see how we we react when they Mm -hmm. don't get to the perfect enzyme place right if it's even a test (laughs) right it might not even be a test at all but i'm just saying if it's just if so many people because thousands and thousands of people millions whose kids don't follow the faith that they Mm -hmm. were raised to follow And we put on ourselves as parents, gosh, we are the failures or we're not doing, we didn't pass the test. But what if the test, that's maybe not Mm -hmm, the test mm -hmm. at all. Right. It's a different test. How you respond and how you love and how you unconditionally love and how you support and show kindness and look for the good Mm -hmm. no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think like we're taught we have to return home. We have to return home. Well, she's going home. Mm. And she's going to be well-received, as my son is, as my daughter, as my grandbabies. They're going home. Mm. But I think, like, the culture and the humanness of our brains and our emotions say, if they don't go home looking like the cover of the ensign, then they're going to be assigned to a lesser kingdom. And, and, you know, like, things mm-hmm, like that, like, mm-hmm. which which sounds so, I don't want that, you know. And right. so I just think, you know, I got all tangled up in in some of the cultural, like I, over the years, I have had to look at what does the gospel tell me? Mm. The gospel tells me to love other people and to be kind and to, you know, to help other people and to reach out to, and, and it's like your relationship with other people. And so I look at my kids and think, oh, I'm okay with our relationship because we're good. Mm-hmm. We're all good. All of our, my kids are good with me. Like I am with them, but like they're good like that with other people. So they're actually living the gospel. Maybe not all of the points, but in, for me me at least, what I have come to to think Mm -hmm. is that being kind and loving to other people and caring for other people, that carries a lot of weight. Yeah. Well, and and we've had that conversation too, like about when I was leaving the church, and I think I tried to iterate and reiterate to you and dad. It was you and dad who taught me those values. That wasn't something that was just based on what I learned at church growing up or even like you call them gospel values. I view them as just sort of like my core values, Mm -hmm. like whatever it is. But, you know, loving other people, being kind, having integrity, those types of things. You guys were the ones that instilled those things into us as children. And then now as adults, like it makes perfect sense that even though I'm not going and practicing religion every single week formally, I still have those core values. Those Mm -hmm. are still parts of who Mm -hmm. I am and with the rest of the siblings. And, you know, that was you and dad instilling that into us. And 
and just I'm really grateful that was something that wasn't hard for me after, you know, stop going to church and leaving church. Having, you know, because some people ask, well, what are your morals or what are your values or anything like that? And it was always so confusing to me. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's the same values that I've always had that my parents taught me. I'm still the same person. Mm-hmm. I just my beliefs are just a little different, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to suddenly go out and like drastic. I mean, my life has taken a turn in many ways, <laughs> but like in terms of who I am at my core, I'm still the same person, mm-hmm. and that was because of the way that you and dad raised us. It wasn't, I've never viewed that as being something that was because we grew up Mormon. I love that. I think it's really helpful to kind of be able to reconcile that, both mm-hmm. as maybe the parents, where you know your kids have made different choices, and as the child, where you know you just remind yourself, like, who am I? My values are still there. It's okay Mm -hmm. if my beliefs are different or have evolved or changed. Mm -hmm. And just to be able to, and it's the same way, it's like with you and dad, you guys still go to church and I still support you in that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I see the people that you are and you couldn't be more kind or generous. You're the best, (laughs) literally, I tell everybody, I have the best parents in the world. I really do. (laughs) And, you know, you guys still go to a church that I don't go to. Oh, well, it's okay, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I actually, I'm going to, get to you in just a second, but I want to ask your mom, what are some of the key things that helped you at least eventually get to a more positive outlook? How did you decide I can interact with them in a constructive, loving manner? What helped you do that? Or did you just get tired of the negative and so you just decided on your own? Yeah. I just didn't want to feel that way. I think I was okay with you guys. Like, I don't think I yeah. acted, but like for me, like there was always this like damp towel hanging over <laughs> me, like just that icky feeling like, oh, you know, and I just got tired of it. I didn't want mm. to feel that way anymore. And once I decided or or started to think more on those lines, I almost immediately felt better. And truly, I think I finally decided, hey, these are Heavenly Father's kids, too. And he's smarter than I am. And he knows better. And I don't need to worry about this stuff anymore. I don't need to. And Jesus already felt all of these things that I'm feeling now. So why am I torturing myself with them when he's already done it? And he doesn't want me to feel. That's why he did it. He didn't want us to have to suffer like that as deeply and as as much as like I tended to make myself feel. You know? mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so like my life is over. My purpose on earth is over. And and like it just wasn't healthy. It wasn't, didn't help me. Anyway. Did you get to a place where you were if my kid didn't do this, then I wouldn't feel this way? I No, I don't think so. I think I always turned it on me. OK, if I would have. If I would have done something done different, some, then he wouldn't different. have done this, and then right. I wouldn't feel this. Then I wouldn't feel this. <laughs> yes, I so love to torture myself. You know, I loved. You know, you're a lousy person. All right, you know, I just like I love to torture myself, and so I'm just like after almost 66 years, I am done torturing myself. Oh, I mean, yes. I'll give myself a little, you know, a little you, you need Well, you you need those times where and and now it's funny. I decide, okay, this is going to be a sad weekend. I'm not gonna. <laughs> nope, don't try to coax me out of this. I'm just gonna be grumpy and you know my babies aren't baptized and my three out of my four kids what are the odds of that you you know like I I bring it all up and I just wrap it around me and then after the weekend I'm good and I know that sounds so silly but it does not sound silly it it is so so much better for me the last several years Uh so much better for me because it's then you're making a choice. Right. Like, exactly. I'm going to exactly. choose to be a little miserable this weekend because I'm choosing to have these thoughts. Right. And so I'm going to allow that. Yeah. And then when and the weekend's over, then I'm going to put my big girl yeah. underwear on and have yep. different thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I can kind of feel like after a day or so, like usually it doesn't last more than a couple days. Yeah. And then I'll kind of feel that that little, okay, I'm done with this. Yeah. So, yeah. It's been, I've been so grateful, so grateful to have been able to come to that point. Man, that is really powerful. So, Stacy, how do you manage your thoughts about your parents still participating in a church that you no longer believe in or agree with? When I first left the church and my my faith transition, if you talked to anybody who has left 
probably the religion of their childhood it really is a grieving process Mm -hmm. you go through it's literally the stages of grief and so I certainly had kind of a little bit of an angry phase and if you would have talked to me during that phase I probably would have been like why are they going to this church like it did this and this and like it's all of these things where I was just angry and upset and hurting honestly just hurting yeah but with my parents I can't remember if I talked about this on the other podcast and if I did I'm sorry that's okay no you can can repeat things (laughs) but that's okay but like when I called my mom and said hey mom I can't remember it's like I don't believe in the church like I'm not wearing garments anymore I'm not going Mm -hmm. and I know that was a hard conversation for you Mm -hmm. to like sit there and listen Mm -hmm. to me and there might have been a couple of things we had said before that may have hinted that I was sort of going through a faith crisis but that the first conversation where it was very explicit and I was like I want to be honest with you this is where I'm at Mm -hmm. and then you said something like my religion is family basically Mm -hmm. that it doesn't matter if you go to church or not like I'm going to love you all the same and basically the definition of unconditional love and so because my parents both extended that type of love and because then the behavior after that was exactly the same like Mm. you and dad weren't treating me differently you weren't trying to send me conference talks to be like hey here's this talk about getting your kid back to church or anything like that you guys were just so supportive of everything from the beginning of that, it's easier for me to be able to extend that same amount of grace and compassion and love for your choices. Mm -hmm. You know, I've told you, you love Jesus. You're a Christian Mm -hmm. to your core. Mm -hmm. And I love that about you. And if, you know, practicing your Christianity within the LDS church is where you want to do it and that feels like home for you, then I support you. So I think it goes both ways, you know, where yes. they, they support me and my choices. And now as an adult, I can turn around and support them and their choices and what they want to do. Like it's a reciprocal type of giving and receiving. So for me, it's like, well, they're not telling me I'm a terrible person. They're not like <laughs> treating me differently, you know. Like, yeah. And so it's. it's Which an, is loving. Of course. I mean. It, I guess it, it is. Yeah. It seems I, so obvious, but it's not always easy for yeah. people to, you know what I mean? Like, I think in our family and the dynamic in our family, I think we're all very lucky mm. because we're not super judgmental. We're able to accept each other where we're at. We're, we don't hold grudges. You know what I mean? Like, we're not. We just love each other. Which, again, mm-hmm. is the gospel that you mm-hmm. and the values yes. that you grew up with. Yes. Is that is such a good yeah. Gospel right there. Yeah. Non-judgmental, loving mm-hmm. and all yeah. those things. Right. Well, and I also think what I have appreciated is that I know you joke around about wanting to have the ensign family or whatever. <laughs> I love that. Well, it's <laughs> so cute. And like, I love it, too. But also that's kind of news to me because you and dad have never really cared about, at least from my perspective, you've never really cared about having our family look a certain way. Or, like, wanting us to be different than who we are. Like, any time one of us kids have had something big happen in our lives or maybe, you know, for me, from the previous episode, I'm a lesbian and that's been a really huge life transition. And you and dad just have showed up in love and support in all of these transitions in our lives. And, like, that helps me to feel safe knowing that you guys don't care what other your neighbors think about us. You know what I mean? Or, like... That's not, you don't care. It's like, Mm -hmm. we're just, we're family and those Mm -hmm. relationships are the most important thing. Yep. That's so beautiful. I love that. So this might speak to this. How have your beliefs and relationships with, you know, loving Jesus and loving Mm -hmm. the LDS church or loving being a Christian, how has that influenced you to love and support your children's choices? So to be perfectly honest, a few years back, our grown kids told us about some things that happened when they were younger with some church leaders where the church leaders were not inspired and did considerable damage Mm. to my kids emotionally. But Mm. we didn't know. They they didn't tell us. And again, the the first thought is, well, I must have been a sucky parent because they didn't feel like they could confide in us. Mm. And it's hard to find out about things that happened to your children when they're adults and you can't 
there's nothing. There's no recourse. And I remember at that time, I spent a summer where I was convinced I could not continue to attend. Mm -hmm. And even my husband's really kind of even kill. I, I mean, he, he's got a temper. He yells or whatever. But <laughs> but as far as like the emotional part, he's just kind of like, what? you know, whatever. But I remember we would have lots of discussions and he felt just like I did. We had spent our lives, given our lives in service of other people's children and did, served in, you know, all kinds of positions with teenagers and children and whatever, and just did our best. And we had you know, Stacy and my oldest son had experiences that were nothing like that, that were so, so damaging. Mm. And so, and by this point, Stacy had told me she was bisexual. And so I was, again, I'm bearing my soul, but I was uncomfortable with some of the conference talks and stuff because I would look at my daughter and say, my daughter's not a sinner. Mm -hmm. And yet my leaders are telling me my daughter's a sinner. But she's not. It, right. yeah, so that was very conflicting for me. Like I was trying to figure out, like, how do I be okay with all this? And then we found out these couple of things. And, and we spent a summer, and I, I was ready to say, I can be a, a Christian no matter what. Like, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. I can do the same things. I will keep my scriptures. I will whatever, whatever. And, you know, we kept coming back to we've devoted so much time, and this we've built our life on this. Are we ready to give it up? Hmm. And so we kind of decided that no. And I don't want to say that we pick and choose, but we've started to put some of the things that, that are hurtful to me or to my children. I just leave it where it's at. And I there's no way to align that with perhaps like the culture of the church or some of the teachings. And so I just try to leave it where it's at. And mm. it's more important to me to support my children. I guess, really, I mean, m my true religion is Jesus Christ and then my family. Mm -hmm. My family is my religion. And, you know, Jesus is the basis of it, of course. But I needed to find a way to say what those leaders did. They didn't intend to harm my children, but they were careless. Mm. And they did harm my children. And they did it in a leadership position. And I trusted them with my children. And they broke that trust. And so that was almost insurmountable to me. I just couldn't find a place for that. I couldn't find a place. I couldn't find a place. And I finally realized that, well, there's never going to be a place for that because mm. it's over and done. There's nothing that's going to fix it. Like they, they have come to grips with it. I need to. But it's still there. It's just there. But I try not to, you know, when I have those weekends where I'm going to say, well, I, I'm th this is the weekend. Then I bring it all up and I like, I'm going to run them over with my truck because I'm going to, you know, if I ever see them again, I'm going to watch out neighbors. <laughs> and I don't know if it's healthy or not. It's probably not. But it, I just leave it yeah. because there's no way to for, there's no way to reconcile that with the other part of the church that I've lived for so long and, and I loved yes. and I've supported and I want to do everything right. I want to be like, I just, I want to be, and not because I want other people to say, oh, look at her. I, I like that in my heart. Yeah. It feels right to me. But so now I just kind of have to be, again, I, more thoughtful and more like I spend more time thinking and just say, okay, that's there and it's never going away. But I can still enjoy sacrament meeting. Mm -hmm. I can still take the sacrament and treasure that and teach my primary kids and do all of those things. But I think I'm a little bit more aware and I look for culture versus gospel now more. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it was all just one big thing. Whatever you say, is it in the ensign? I'm going to do it. <laughs> Did the prophet say to do it? I'm doing it. You know, yeah, yeah. Did my bishop say do this? I'm doing it. You know, huh. and now I'm just a little bit more cautious. I'm not so naive or or just not so. I just need to make sure for myself. For nobody else, it's just for me. I have to think about it and say, where is this going to go? I flew my pride flag, but not one person said a word to me. A couple of my friends did say, oh, you got your pride flag up. And I said, yes, I did. And, you know, nobody said anything. But I did tell the bishop at my temple recommend, I'm flying a pride flag. And I adore my daughter. And I, you know, on and on. And he says, well, good. And just signed it. Yeah. So, so do you know what I mean? Like, I'm just, I guess I've just 
learn to be more careful with things. Yeah. I need to make sure that I want to live the gospel, but there's parts of the culture that I don't want to live. Mm-hmm. And so that that part I just kind of... You put over here. Avoid. Yes. Yeah. I just put it where... Because someday somebody will figure it out. Yeah. Not me, maybe, but somebody will figure it out. I like that you said, these kids are Heavenly Father's right. children too, and he's got them. Yeah. And I think it, I it think out. he's way smarter than we are. We've mm-hmm. got all this humanness and these human emotions and these human brains that we start, well, if this is true, then this must and this, and then we get way out there. And it's, that doesn't look like the first truth that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So, so you're okay with just leaving it? Just I have it. to. For that summer, it ate me alive. Yeah. For that summer and, and trying to decide, are we going to really do this? Are we going to abandon what we've built our life together on? Because we probably should, because look at what happened. And then I thought, wait a minute, this happened. It's over. It it happened. It damaged my children. They're okay. They've tried to do the best they can, yeah. you know, to get past it. Uh, so just, you just leave it there and you can just ignore it for a while. And Stacy, how do you feel hearing your mom just tortured for that summer should I yeah. leave? Should I stay? Did you know about that, first yeah, of all? Yeah, okay. I did. I don't remember what prompted me, because I feel like me and Nick and Whitney kind of all mm-hmm. talked to you around the same time and mm-hmm. just said, hey, these things happened that mm-hmm. were hard. Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't really remember why that was brought up, but it happened, and I'm glad. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm glad to share those mm-hmm. things with you, but I knew that was a hard thing that you and dad were going through. And again, it it went back to the conversation of like, mom, you can do Mormonism or Christianity however you want. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we had Mm -hmm. started having those conversations about like, if you don't like this particular thing or policy or leader, that's okay. Like, just leave it. And so, you know, my mom, we had had conversations about Mm -hmm. that, about, because I had gone through my own faith transition and for a while, because my husband at the time has was still active in the church. And so I had to do that similar kind of process where it's like, I don't believe in these certain things anymore. I actually really don't agree with it at all. But I'm going to have to reconcile that with, but I'm still here and I'm still going mm. and just doing the best that I can. And that is a valid choice. Yeah. It's a valid choice. and And so that was for me. I'm supporting my mom and dad in whatever choices they want. Your Mm -hmm. choices are valid. Your reasons to stay are extremely valid and important. Mm -hmm. And it's what brings you peace. And so I'm going to support them in that. Mm -hmm. And if at any point in the future things ever changed, I would support you in the Mm -hmm. next direction. Just the same that you've been doing for all of us as Mm -hmm. adults now. And so it wasn't hard in terms of that wasn't a hard thing for me to see. And I know, like, as a queer person, the fact that you and dad are so openly supportive of that, of me Mm -hmm. and, like, my girlfriend now and everything, like, that's also really helpful to to see, Mm. like, my parents can do both. They can be Christian Mm -hmm. and also be loving and kind and unconditionally supportive of me as a queer person or me. I'm not really religious anymore. And but I I think that's important. And that's. I guess a lot of what I want in this podcast, the mm-hmm. reason for doing it is just giving a place for everyone. And we're all somewhere on the spectrum of belief or faith and just saying wherever you are is okay mm-hmm. and not having to judge someone's spirituality or whether you're good or bad or any just, mm-hmm. okay. And because some someone, another daughter who is lesbian might say, but mom, you have to leave because mm-hmm. yeah. they don't support and they've given all these talks mm-hmm. or, sure. and I love that you can stand in your truth mm-hmm. and not participate, but allow your mom to do her thing and not allow, Well, but, <laughs> right. but do it and support your mom right. in doing it. Right. And also it helps because she also was like, and here's my pride flag and sure. I'm, and Behind closed doors, she's very supportive. One yeah. and on open doors, she's just supportive. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I think it's easier when you're coming at it from like a basis of love and support, foundationally. Like that's 
what I feel like in our family, we've done a damn good job of. Like, there might be other things that we are, like, not so good at, you know? <laughs> and that's yeah. fine. But, like, at the end of the day, we know that we all love and support each other so much. And so it just, to me, it's just hasn't been an issue in terms of questioning where any of us are at mm-hmm. in terms of our belief structure or you know career-wise or whatever it is and and yeah that might seem like a shocking or surprising thing or maybe folks wish they had more of that in their family and to that I would just say like I think the more that you learn to like my with mom like you you had to come to a place where you were more at peace internally with Mm -hmm. where you were at and with who you were and it was the same thing for me like Mm. I've always tried to prioritize being at peace internally with where I'm at and with who I am. And so, yes, like having this conversation with us here in 2023, it would have sounded differently five Mm -hmm. years ago when I was first like starting to come out of the church and and, like my sense of identity was all over the place. But I guess I would just say like to others who might be in the beginning stages of navigating these tricky transitions with their families is just eventually things work out like Mm -hmm. you come to you come back to who you are as a person loving your kids your family members and just love that's i don't know without strings you know without strings without qualifying it's just you you love them no matter what yeah that's easier said than done for some absolutely absolutely But I think it is easier. Like I said, I think it's easier when you can love yourself and be at peace with who you are. Right. Yeah. That's when it starts. Mm -hmm. Because like with if every single choice your kid makes, you are internalizing that as like, I'm a crappy parent because my kid did this or that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like with your journey, like took you a while to figure out like that was not serving you. Mm -mm. And so being able to come to peace with you and who you are and realize I'm good with where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I'm not a crappy mom like you never yeah. were. <laughs> and so. So speaking of that, when you were talking about thoughts and looking at mm-hmm. your thoughts, so speak more to a resource that has been helpful mm-hmm. to you in navigating how you think about yourself and how, yeah, you just regulate your thoughts. Okay. So that it, I'm so glad we talked about this earlier because I started listening to Jody Moore and her her podcasts better than happy and then I signed up for her be bold her coaching program and it was fascinating to understand she taught me teaches other people how our brains work and I had all these emotions and all of these thoughts and they were all negative and I remember when she said, you know, thoughts are just thoughts. And, and she, she does her little model and, you know, circumstance. And, and like when she said circumstances are neutral, they're not bad or good. I'm, are you kidding me? You know, I, you know, why tell you this and I've got this. Yes, I, this is not a good. And, but the more I would listen and the more I would see her talking about different situations and how the circumstance is just that. It's just what's happened. But then the thoughts, like our brain is just so looking to protect us. So those thoughts are always looking for the negative, always looking to make sure yeah. that there's not danger lurking around every corner. And the more I would listen to that, I, you know, and then I'd start examining my thoughts like, oh, I just had that thought. That wasn't a very, you know, and then I think back and like, but that's just a thought. I don't mm-hmm. have to think it if I don't want. And I for sure, if I don't want to feel all of the emotion and the result and all of the, you know, the consequences of my act, you know, my actions and everything, if I don't like those, well, then I'm not going to think that thought. Yeah. Go back and so to that thought. I probably should have talked about that sooner. Like oh, that really helped in these last few years, helped me identify what my brain, like it was my brain that was actually encouraging me to feel crummy so yes. much. Mm. I love that. And like I would just focus on all of the negative thoughts. Well, they don't go to church and they don't, you know, they, they sleep all morning and then they, and they're drinking. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you know there's alcohol in their fridge? I cannot believe that. You know, it's just stuff like that where, whoa, whoa, right? Whoa. Yeah. You know? And so, so really that I would 
encourage anybody who has trouble with emotions and, and situations and, and not reacting the way they would love to react to, you know, and to listen to her. Like she, yeah. what she does, that brain work and that model of hers, and it helps you just kind of, kind of unemotionally look at the situation, look at the thoughts, look at what it, you, what you're doing and then saying, no, I don't like this. Yeah. You know, yeah. okay, so I'm going to go back to the beginning and I'm going to change that thought. And that's kind of like not all who wander are lost. In fact, my kids, I don't even consider them wanderers anymore. Mm. Like I don't, you know, I will say my, my children don't choose to, you know, religion like I do. But for me, that was so helpful. They're not wandering. Yeah. They're fine. They're right there. They're not off the path. They're not, yes. you know, like we think of that straight and narrow path and holy cow, you better be like right there. <laughs> Don't step off. Well, uh -huh. you know, I mean, I don't feel like they're lost in the wilderness anymore. Right. So, yeah. Jody Moore, she's my best friend. <laughs> she's really great. So Jody Moore is an LDS coach, and that's primarily her target audience is women who are LDS. Mm -hmm. And she learned her concepts from Brooke Castillo who learned her concepts from lots and lots of therapy, which like, begins from Byron Katie and Marsha Linnea Hamm, who are therapists. And so a lot of, but what Brooke Castillo did is make some of the therapy concepts simple. She put it in a model and then Jody uses that same model. And I use it too in my practice, but I call it a blueprint and I've added a few things, but it really does all come back to Byron Katie and Marsha Linneham, DBT therapy. I was like, it's got to be CBT. DBT, and CBT, yeah. yes. And yeah. so really what you're doing is you're therapizing yourself totally. when you're analyzing your thoughts, because we know that most of the time our thoughts create our emotions and our emotions then create a body sensation mm -hmm. are those body sensations create an action that we do. So mm -hmm. we cry, we get mm -hmm. mad, we shout, we swear, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then our result is what we feel crummy. Mm -hmm. And so you just went and said, okay, well, I don't want to do all those things anymore. So you went back and analyzed your thoughts and were more intentional about right. your thoughts mm -hmm. when before it was just unintentional. There's no really help in the church for people whose kids have stepped out of the path that they were grown up and raised to be in. Yeah. And so Jody is a really good resource mm -hmm. for that. And I, I think she's done some really good work. So, and I think she has specific podcasts on for parents whose kids have left the mm -hmm. church or loved ones or husbands or whatever. So feel free to go look her up. She's amazing. Well, and that's what I think it was a, one of her little, you know, not conferences, but it was, and, and I remember seeing it on Instagram what to do if your loved ones have left the church. Oh, yeah. And, and by that point, I was sort of, I was trying to be less emotional about it. And so I, that's, I signed up for that. Oh, good. I did that very so first good. one when a loved one leaves the church and stuff. And it was fascinating and it was reassuring and comforting. And I felt like, oh, this is exactly how I want to go. I want to continue on this path. Uh -huh. So, yeah, it was very good. Because your thoughts then created this more comforting emotion. Yeah. 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 I love that. Our thoughts are not truth a lot of the yeah. times. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes our thoughts are big liars. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What the world? Okay. So how has your relationship with your children evolved and changed? Has it improved? Do you feel closer to them now? Or has it taken you some time to get to the closeness if you are closer or has it moved you apart? Because a lot of parents will say to me, I don't know what to talk to about my kids with my kids because church is my whole life. And now I don't have church to talk to about them or with mm -hmm. them, you know? Yeah. Well, I don't have that in common anymore. Well, m most of my kids have grand have kids of their okay. own. And so I don't know. Do We kind of just hang out. We don't yeah. really have, we talk about life, our day, what, you know, what happened at school or we're not a big conversating family. Are we? Do you think? You guys don't get into politics. Oh, God, no. Absolutely no, not. No, it is strictly forbidden. Absolutely. No. No. I would say, and this is kind of just the cool and unique thing about either about you guys as parents or maybe just our family in general, but I don't think much has changed. When I was going to church and living far away from my mom, when we would talk on the phone, like we weren't talking about church things mm -hmm. necessarily. It was just, mm -hmm. yeah, like life. And so in that sense, I don't think it's gotten better or worse. It no. just is, it is the same. I think that 
I do think that I sense in you, like, just being more at peace in terms Mm of, like, you had that one rough summer, Mm -hmm. which was, I know, was hard. But then, yeah, then things are good. But it was never, it's cool because you get, you never let anything that we were doing really, like, affect our relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, you were showing up and we were showing up for you guys. I don't know. We just show up for each other. Well, and adult kids are way different to have a relationship with mm. than your littles, you know, yes. like and, and teenagers, you know, or kids, little, little ones. It's way different to have a relationship with your adult kids. And it's so I know the kids decided they liked motorcycles. So we're a motorcycle family now. Brian and I don't ride motorcycles, but <laughs> we go, we go out to the desert and watch the kids ride motorcycles. Oh. We take the pop up and we sit with the babies or we, we kind of do that and, and or like go to the lake. My kids like to go to lake, so, well, Brian, my husband brought, bought a pontoon boat because that goes perfectly with a ski boat because now, see, we can just float around on the pontoon boat and then there's the, the ski best. boat. So, so like, we, I guess I would say we, we just, whatever they're interested in, then we tried to follow a little bit. Yeah. We, we just like to be together. I, I don't say we just spend time together. Yeah. And I think like and that's what I think is interesting because I've heard that before, too. Like I have friends of mine whose parents have said if they've left the church, oh, you don't. we don't have anything in common. What do we talk about? Yeah. And I honestly think the reality of that is just spend time together. Just spend time with me and you'll see that I'm still your daughter. I'm mm-hmm. still the same person. Maybe I have alcohol in my fridge. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's fine one way or another. Like, it's not a big deal. I, I, yeah. You know, and, and so I think it's really just just being genuinely interested in who your kid is mm-hmm. throughout all phases of life. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't have to be as scary as we probably make it out to be. It would be, I, I guess I would say, like, consider what what's your fear? What's the fear there? And just then spend time with your kid if you can. Some situations that might not be possible. I get it. Every family's different. In some relationships, you might need to have some distance for whatever reason or another. But mm-hmm. put in effort. Like my parents do, they put in lots of effort to spend time with us and to support us. And that means the world. And it's the same way. If you want to have a good relationship with someone, put in the effort. Mm-hmm. Try to understand who they are. And I don't think it bothers us if we don't have great conversations. No. Like yeah. on Sundays, they come over and everybody gets in a recliner and there's sports on this TV and, you know, Paw Patrol on that TV. Like <laughs> Puzzles, but, but, whatever. It's but cool. I, I, guess, yeah. I guess my advice would be find some things you have in common or sure. it, as a parent. And I still like it's very different being a parent of adult children. But... I'm still going to be the parent, so I'm going to make the effort. Mm. I don't want to wait for my children to have the conversation. Like, okay, I am still the parent. So if I had nothing in common with you, which we sort of do, but we sort of don't. But, like, I would find something. (laughs) You would initiate it. I would initiate it because, again, I'm still the parent. I'm not nosy and I don't pick at them and I don't tell them, what's that alcohol doing in your yeah, I, I don't. I don't say it. But I mean, I, of course, you I were thinking think it. That, I yeah, might think cool, it. Yes. Cool but I mean, I still, as the parent, I want to be the one that I'm the older adult. So I'm going to make the effort uh-huh. because somebody has to make the effort. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so I make sure I will. And I will say this, like being the kid who left the church, I think that it is helpful If your parent, if they can reach out in ways that don't feel forced, don't feel like you never made us feel like you were trying to get us back to church or anything like, but where you're just reaching out because you genuinely just want some connection, you know, whatever that looks like, Mm -hmm. I do think you being the one to initiate that can be helpful and and I know that that might be tricky and hard for some parents. Again, what do we talk about? What do we doubt? Do? I don't know. Find mm-hmm. something. Figure well, something. Well, I was going to say out. that's just a thought. You yeah. you think that you don't have anything to talk about? Is that true? Byron Katie says, "Is that true? Mm-hmm. Is that absolutely true?" Or if you're doing Jody mm-hmm. Moore's model, then you say, "The circumstance is neutral, <laughs> so they are no longer a part of the church. You are. That's a circumstance. The thought." I don't have anything to talk about them. That's just a thought. Mm -hmm. Think a different thought and then you'll have a different outcome. Right. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Okay. So any advice that you would give to parents who are currently facing 
a situation with their teens or adult children who are questioning or leaving the faith that they grew up in. I work a lot with the people in the FLDS church or they're leaving the church and the centennial group. I work with a lot of Jehovah's witnesses. I've had it two Lutherans. So yeah. And I was, I didn't put together the German connection, but now I actually see it. So that's (laughs) kind of cool. So there's a lot, there's a lot of different kids out there who aren't following the faith that they grew up in. Mm -hmm. LDS is one of them. And that's what we're talking Mm -hmm. about here, but it really goes across the board with any faith, it is, it, there is a grieving process yeah, absolutely. and there is some sadness. And wh- that's like we said, mm-hmm. it's okay to feel sad, but what advice would you give to parents who are currently seeing their adult children or teens questioning or doubting or leaving? Again, that's hard for me because I know what I did. You know, I mean, I know my process and everything, but I guess I would remind parents that these children were given to us by Heavenly Father. And they were entrusted to us to love and care. And yes, to teach them values. And, you know, for whatever religion or lifestyle you choose, you know, you're doing it assuming it's the best. It's the best for our family and children. But we also understand about free agency. And teenagers is a little tricky because there's so much emotion and they're so volatile, which makes us volatile. And and it's, (laughs) you know, it's a trickier situation. But I I just think I would remind people that these children were entrusted to us. And to be mad at them or hateful or hurtful or to disagree so strongly with what they're doing, it doesn't help you continue to love them and Mm -hmm. to, to treasure them. And it certainly doesn't help the kids to trust you. And, you know, like I feel your kids should be able to trust you more than anybody in the world. And so I guess I just would caution people to maybe just take a step back and decide because my religion is my family. My kids are more important to me than what they choose to do on Sunday Mm. or how they choose to lose their life. Now, or or, I mean, live their lives. (laughs) That was a bad thing. Yes. No. But, But my kids were, Nick, I feel was a little destructive, but I don't feel like my kids weren't, they weren't harming themselves. So, so if your children are being destructive harming themselves, that's a completely different situation. But if it's just choices and anger and breaking rules and, you know, missing curfews and sleeping with their girlfriends and, you know, stuff (laughs) like that. Like, again, those kids were given to us and entrusted Mm -hmm. to us. And Heavenly Father loves them better than we are. And he is going to make up the difference. He will fill in the gaps, but we also have to Our kids have to still trust us and the emotion, like your house can't be so full of emotion and anger and conflict and like then Heavenly Father can't get into those cracks. Mm. The spirit isn't anywhere to be found. And so I think sometimes we as parents take our role so seriously and we're so devastated and we're so convinced our kids are going to be losers (laughs) that we lose sight of the fact that they're just trying to figure themselves out anyway. Well, and kids go where they feel comfortable, Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. And we all go where we feel comfortable. In the spaces where a kid or an adult child would feel comfortable, that's where they're going to be drawn to. And so you want your, well, I think what I hear you saying is we want our homes to be a place of comfort and love and a place of trust and if we're constantly resisting the choices that they make, even if we don't agree with them, then that resistance creates conflict and creates mm-hmm. uncomfortableness. And then they're going to choose not to spend as much time with you. Right. Yeah. But if we can create that's your choice, that's your life. And I love you. And we share a lot together. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to feel comfort and trust and love and want to spend more time with you. Yeah. Yeah. And for me. I never thought I would move back to St. George ever, never, ever. And then the (laughs) pandemic hit and it's like, I just wanted to be by my parents. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I wanted, because the support is there and the love is there. And I know that they love me and my family and all the siblings and grandkids. It's just like nothing but unconditional love. And so I think there is something to be said for that. Yeah. We'll go where we feel comfortable and supported and loved. Yeah. I just have to plug in, too, that's the same with church. The more we can make everybody 
in the pews feel comfortable, the more people will want to be there. Yeah. Right. For sure. So looking back on your journey, do you have like the most valuable lesson that you've learned? (laughs) I I might be like stretching this. (laughs) How much more do you want? I know. I feel like you've given a lot. (laughs) I think the most valuable lesson was to realize that I want my family with all of their choices. I choose them. I don't know how it was in heaven if we still were in those little family groups. He said, oh, you go first and you get the get ready and then we're coming. And then, you know, Saturday's I, like, yeah, I'm not so sure. But I guess I learned that. Yeah, I still choose them. Yeah. Regardless, I would choose them over and over again, which is so powerful because there's eight billion people in the world. And for your mom to say and I would choose out of all the 8 billion people in the world, I would still choose you. And to, and to have that said of our spouses, right. 8 billion people, I would still choose you. I'd yeah. still choose you as my son and my daughter. Yeah. I mean, that is the most heartwarming yeah. thing that someone could hear and feel. Yeah. I guess that's the best lesson I've learned. I am okay. Mm-hmm. I am really okay. Do I have my moments? Yes, I have my sad weekends or my sad day or my whatever, but, but then I'm okay. To get to that point after a lot of years of, you know, probably not feeling okay with the way things have been or the choices or the situations or the circumstances that stink and neutral circumstances, you know, <laughs> but that we're really okay. Yeah. And that's when I hear you talk about other families and people that are hurting and stuff. You can do this. You're, you can get there. You have to do It's hard work. It is hard work, but it's so worth it if you just work hard at it. And just, you know, you're going to get there too. You can be there and adore your family and be just okay with everything the way it is. There almost doesn't need to be an ending. Like (laughs) mic drop. Here we go. (laughs) That work that you're talking about, I call thought work and you can get some thought work done in therapy if you would like, or go and sign up for a Jody Moore program, be bold no affiliation with her. I just love her. No, um, But anyway, okay, changing subjects. We ended on a mic drop. That was amazing. Any book that means a lot to you that have helped that has helped you in your life? It doesn't have to be about this particular topic. Just a book that you really find oh, inspirational. So many good books. I like Emily Bell Freeman has written some really good books on grace mm. that I have really loved. Okay. Really loved. I really love Jody Moore's book better than happy uh-huh. i really loved that book and as far as like a like with religion and everything i really loved that i've read some incredibly wonderful books in our intermediate school library that are so profound they're like kids books oh okay so profound like counting by sevens and fish in a tree and there are some amazing little books about Teens, you know, preteens or teens and learning life's lessons. Some really good books. Oh, that's like that. cool. Yeah. So you're a well-read woman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yes. yes. I, I don't read a, a lot of adult fiction anymore. I read the, the intermediate, you know, preteen stuff. Good stuff. I love it. Well, Stacy and Kathy, thank you so much for being here today. I think there's going to be a lot of people that relate to this and I appreciate your honesty and your heartfelt sentiments. So thanks for being here today. Oh, it's been fun. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining me today on you might relate. I hope this topic brought understanding and insight. And if you can relate to something in today's episode, subscribe and leave a review. I would love, love, love to hear your thoughts. Also, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at you might relate podcast and be sure to share this episode with your friends. The more understanding we create, the better we are as humans. You are in charge of your day. So go make it a good one. Catch you next time.